Hi guys, and welcome to another edition of the Fights Up Boxing Podcast with me, Lukash, bringing you clear diction and um, understandable pronunciation every week. And um, yeah, this this week's a slightly lighter week in terms of profile of what of what happened. Um, the main the main thing I'm going to talk about is Joshua Boazzi versus Greg Richards because that was quite a good fight. Um, and um, also, you know, I'm going to talk about Alan Babbage because. You should talk about Alan Babbage, but there's not, you know, on a tactical breakdown, there's not going to be that much to break down. But um, but let's celebrate him anyway. And there were a couple of other, there were a couple of women's fights on that card. Um, neither one of them was very um, competitive, so there won't be a lot to say. But I'll uh, I'll uh, say just a little bit, um, and then I'll talk about I will talk about Janibek Alan Kanuli um, beating Danny Dignam and David Benavidez beating. David Lemieux and you know in both cases there um, they were one-sided thrashings but on the Benavides car there were a couple of um, prospect fights that were probably worth talking about so I'll uh, see if I can sneak them in at the end there but you know first things first Joshua Boatsy fought Craig Richards and this is sort of a an odd I would I want to say an odd one um the fighters' profiles coming into it were a little, not strange, but a little unusual because um, Boatsy is sort of the higher profile, more glamorous fighter with a bit of a bigger push and the higher prospects, in theory. But um, Craig Richards had definitely fought the higher level fights. Like Joshua Boatsy's career, he you know he had a good Olympics in Rio and then he turned pro and. His style was clearly quite well suited to the pro, and then somewhere along the lines, it just didn't quite develop the way he meant to, and the pandemic got in the way. But it wasn't—he did wasn't looking great in some fights, and uh, he moved to America with uh, Virgil Hunter, and yeah, and basically he needed this fight to sort of move him forward and step him. He, you know, he wants to be looking at world level soon, and this was sort of fighting Craig Richards is sort of the prove I can live with a world level um, and Craig Richards has fought you know he fought Dimitri Bivol um, you know this was before Bivol proved he's really elite by beating Canelo um, and I would say you know I would still say that Bivol in that fight did not show at the level that he did against Canelo but Richards was you know he was embarrassed in that fight he was never in danger of winning but um, but yeah basically Craig Richards has fought at a much higher level than Boatsy so even though he's a lower profile fighter, he's got one or more. He came in with more experience. Um, Style-wise, yes, this was very much a case of archetypes. Um, Buatzi, the aggressive, pressing, um, front foot fighter, and uh, Craig Richards on the back foot, trying to counter. Um, both of them pretty much were fought, and that was one of the reasons this fight was kind of interesting, you know, because... Um, because sometimes, you know, you see a matchup at this level and it doesn't take a big difference one way or the other of one fighter having just a little bit more of... It's just a little bit more subtlety in one particular area, like the opposite of, you know, if you've got an aggressive, two aggressive fighter fighting a really defensive fighter, then if the defensive fighter has just a little bit more aggression than you'd expect of that sort of this level... You know, British level, European level, age of world level, 
archetype, then it can turn into a squash match. And here, there was just enough, like they were both making just enough mistakes, basically. They were both leaving just enough gaps in their games in the opposite directions that um, that they were just sort of countering each other's flaws. And so it made, into, it, made it into a good back and forth contest. It was actually a better fight than I expected because, um, I mean, I expected it to be quite even and I did expect Bwatsi to come out on top ultimately. But, um, you know, my contention was that Richards needed it to be a more boring fight to have a chance of winning than it really turned out to be. You know, Richards was more willing to... I wouldn't say he was willing to engage, more willing to engage, but he was more able to create his terms more often. So basically, it was a it was a good, fun, back-and-forth fight. Um, and yeah, so stylistically, Joshua Boazzi coming forward. Um, what, which, what he does do very well is... He's really good on the inside. Um, his punching accuracy is like, really solid. Um, he's very good at finding the gaps in the defense when he's in close. He's got a much better about um, not making himself completely vulnerable in terms of balance and stuff. This was something that I always had a problem with him before. Um, you know, he'd uh, overreach and not adjust his feet when chasing combinations. And that didn't really happen. But he does have, still have the big issue. Firstly, at distance, his defense basically doesn't exist. It's quite weird, actually, because in close, he can defend. Like, he's aggressive, but he knows how to cover up, how to slip, all of that. Um, you know, a lot of his defense is making his opponent too scared to throw, but he does have reactions. But when he's at distance, when he's at chatting distance, it's like he is, there's no head movement. His guard is almost, you know, he's, he, he comes in with a high guard, but... Um, but it's almost non-existent, you know, it might as well not be there. Um, Richards was you know, landing the jab at will. Um, Boatze's jab, I have to say, is also really good. That's probably what was ultimately the difference maker, is that um, Richards needed to be a, needed it to be a jabbing match that he won, and um, he didn't win the jabbing match. Um, so with everything out, with that being equal, or possibly Boatze's favour, Richards didn't have enough else in the tank. But yeah, Richards' style is... It, like I say, very much on the back foot. Um, he's a jab, move, jab, move fighter. Um, he is more willing, you know, I did say this in my preview, he is willing to engage and throw when an opponent comes at him. He's happy to counter while they're throwing, which is something sometimes at this level, it, their fighters tend to be, um, you know, either my go, your go, or if the, if the opponent does get into exchanging range into combination range they try to disengage Lyndon Arthur is a um, I would say a pretty good example of that he's a good fighter Lyndon Arthur I don't know if he's uh, you know if Craig Richards is better than him overall um, but his game like they have a similar basic game plan but Lyndon Arthur you could see it against Yard and, um, you know the first fight didn't need to but in the second fight it didn't really happen for Arthur because he didn't have a way to counter Yard off the ropes, whereas Richards is happy, you know, um, when Boatze is exchanging at him, um, Richards doesn't really want to be there, but um, at the same time, there is a route to damage Boatze from there, but he doesn't have enough power really to live that way, and the main thing, the main problem I have with him is that he was often, when he does disengage, instead of, you know, countering, there's a lot of times when he was disengaging in a way that didn't let him counter at all. And that, I think, was also 
um, the cause of him losing the fight was a thing that he did, especially when he pivoted out and he'd almost turn his back. Like he'd, he'd pivot almost too far. And so normally, you know, when you're pivoting out and you're doing it well, what you do, what happens is your opponent has to turn to follow you and you're facing onto them so you can punish them as they, as they turn to follow you. But Richards would have to turn at the same time as Buatsi and wasn't taking advantage of that. Um, and that's because over both, because Buatsi's going to be moving up levels on the back of this and, um, other opponents aren't going to give him those chances. You know, imagine him against Dimitri Bivol. Um, but yeah, um, Basically, it was it was a story. You know, there wasn't there wasn't like that much depth to go into with this. Um, but yeah, I would, this is the thing I would say is Boatsy. Um, Boatsy is again, uh, he's very capable, um, and he, yeah, he came in very sharply on his jab. Uh, that that was really good. His jab is really solid, um, and he would hurt. Richards, if this is this is the big problem I have with Batsy potentially going forward. He would hurt Richards a few times, and when he's being patient and following in and working and got his head in the game, I think he does set up punches. This was a conversation on Twitter and all of that after the fight. Um, that he doesn't set that he doesn't use um, set up punches and taps and just goes everything for force. I would say that's not completely true because when he's being when he's um, in sort of creating the chances mode, he does do that. Like maybe not as much as you'd want him to. He also doesn't necessarily need to do that when he's concentrated because he's so good at finding the gaps. Um, but I would say he does. He does set up the punches. Like it's not a. It's, he's not just coming in and trying to blast his opponent constantly, non-stop. But when he hurts his opponent, um, he sees himself as a really good finisher. And Richards is good enough at surviving that even when he was hurt, he um, he has the defensive instincts not to just you know blow his defense open. And Boatsy would. There were I think three occasions, two or three occasions when Boatsy he'd clearly win the round. He'd hurt Richards fairly seriously, and he'd go and chase him for like a minute, or really trying to blow through that defense. And there was no pace management basically at all. And after like a minute or so, or 30 seconds even, he'd blow himself out. And Richard wasn't able to get back into the round. He was still hurt and surviving and all of that. But, um, but Boatsy would have to back off. And he was clearly, it wasn't just, you know, taking a rest. He, he was sort of reaching the limits of his endurance for that round. And I mean, that's where you sort of saw Richard's limitations because he didn't have the, um, the ability to go onto the front foot like he needed Boatsy to be doing things to be countering so when the opportunity came for Richards to take the front foot to see that Boatsy's tired and you know wheezing a bit and then a couple of occasions he hurt him too especially to the body um, Richards just didn't have it in him to to step up the pace and push forward and that's you know Richards 32 so he's he is who he is at this point and he isn't going to be developing hugely from here, I would suggest. And that was, that's going to be his, you know, that really is his limitation. Like he's quite a capable defensive fighter, but he doesn't have, and he's good at engaging when the opponent takes it to him, but he doesn't have the, you know, the step up. He doesn't have the next, the next step. And, and yeah, that's a concern for Boatsy because like I say, he's going to be moving on to other fights and, 
you know, if he fights Bivol, you know, he's not, he, he should, I don't think he should fight before next. Like, obviously, it would make sense for him to fight before next. Um, he's, you know, so with, um, with Canelo having announced the Golovkin trilogy for, I think it's September, you know, Bivol will be free and he may well see Boatzi as a decently profile fight that he's capable of winning and that gives Boatzi an opportunity that he probably wouldn't get for a while otherwise. The other option being talked about is Anthony Yard. I saw Boatzi popping up about that on Twitter. Um, that's a much better fight. That's an excellent fight. Um, you know, there are fans on both sides of the divide, mostly based on, you know, where they stand on Anthony Yard, suggesting one or the other is going to blow the, blow the other out. And they may. Um, but that's an interesting fight. Um, the concern from this for Boatsy is he may well be able to just, you know, um, put Coles in Yard's defense and blow him away. But if he doesn't, if he goes on one of these flurries where he blows himself out and runs out of gas and Yard survives it, and Yard's gas tank isn't fantastic himself from what we've seen, but, um, but he's able to really push it when tired. We did see that against uh, Kovalev, even when, you know, he uh, he completely ran out, but he never stopped really, you know, going for the shots. Um, but even if, you know, if Bratsy blows himself out and then he's not able to fully engage for the rest of the round, you know, is Yard going to let him get away with that? Like, if he survives that flurry, you know, that's, that'll be that'll be a concern for Bratsy. That's something he has to work on. Um but yeah, no, I'd love to see that fight, Yard versus Bratsy. That could be a rivalry that could keep going for a while. Um, Craig Richards really, you know, I think he's established himself as he's a sort of edge of world level fighter, um, European level fighter. He'll probably get maybe one more world title shot uh, if he keeps, you know, if he goes back to winning on the European sort of British level circuit. Um, but he, yeah, he needs to. My problem with him is. Um, he has a really good stance the way he um, sets up his defence he has a sort of it's not quite you know you wouldn't call it a finish shell for sure um, I'd get shouted if I, if I did that um, but you know it's not quite fully developed proper guard with the shoulder roll and all that but it's got the sort of basics of it and um, he he sets himself up quite well to throw body shots when he's defending, and there are a couple of times that he did hit Boatsy with good body shots, um, and then just didn't follow up on them. Um, yeah, and there's just these, he makes openings for himself. He baits his opponent to giving him openings, and then he doesn't take them. And that's just I don't know if it's a mental issue or if he doesn't have those in his locker, but it, it's kind of frustrating. Um, but he's, you know, he's not going to be an easy out for most people. Like, he wasn't an easy out for Bivol, so he's not going to be an easy out for anyone, even if he's, um, you know, even if he's not really not likely to be winning those fights. Um, and yeah, Bivol, basically, he came out of this with work to do, but also, you know, there are things he does very well. And even if he doesn't fix them fully, he's going to be an exciting fight to follow because he's, you know, he's very aggressive, very good at being aggressive, and yet vulnerable. That's always a fun equation. Um, and he does need to step up the pace because he's, I think he's 29 now, and his career did stall for a while, so he does need to push for the bigger fights. And like I say, I really hope we get Yard versus Boatsy because I've wanted that since Boatsy turned pro. Um, and that would be a fun fight. 
Um, the other sort of event on this card was Alan Babich fighting a Polish guy called Adam Balski, and that was infuriating me because the commentators and announcers all night were calling him Adam Balski, and it, this is not a difficult concept, guys. In Polish, we don't change our vowels. We have one way of pronouncing every vowel. The A is pronounced A, as in hat, in the cat, in the sat, on a mat. His name is Balski. It's not Bolski. He's not Polski Bolski. He's Balski. Anyway, that's not likely to come up again because he's not going to be a significant feature of the, the heavyweight or cruiserweight divisions. He This was a bridgeweight. Um, so I think Babich has decided this is a good place to try out at because he's t too big for cruiser, too small for heavy. It's a good place for him to be. Um, yeah, if you're not familiar with Babich, you should be because he's insane, basically, is the thing. He's not what you would call very good. You know, he's he's fine. He's not a complete uh, donkey, but he doesn't care about defense like, at all. Um, he always says he's going to, like, he's going to think about it a bit more and he's going to be a bit more subtle and concentrate, concentrate and, you know, try not to get himself knocked out. And then the first round here, he came out and almost immediately got knocked out. And then he went on and, he, and you know, he like I say, he's not a donkey. When he's going, he, when he's aggressive, he's... He, he's not, I wouldn't say he, I mean, he's not a deeply subtle fighter either, but he isn't just throwing everything he can all at once. He's looking for the openings and, uh, you know, seeing what his opponent does and trying to find the holes. But it is wild. And yeah, basically the story of this fight was um, Babish, um, Balski was just a good, just about a good enough boxer to give Babich trouble and occasionally they'd get into these wild exchanges but Babich just because he commits to everything like um, when he is throwing the hard punches he really commits to them he's hurting Balski with every punch that really landed that really got through and Balski wasn't hurting Babich with everything that he landed and Babich's volume as well is for a heavyweight is pretty insane, um, and he you know he gets tired, but his opponents get tired more because they have to they can't stop reacting. So um, the punch stats in this fight were I think I can't find the punch stats now, but I think on the night they were said something like seven hundred. Uh, Babich threw something like seven hundred punches over ten rounds, which for heavyweight is a lot. And you know Balski was forced into responding. I can't remember how many he threw. Um, he didn't certainly didn't land as many. But uh, but that's the thing about Pavic, he makes his opponents fight to, you know, the highest tempo that they possibly can, basically. Um, and so that makes him worth, you know, worth watching. He's a wild man. Um, he is completely insane. Um, yeah, he's not deep technical analysis. I can't go on about him for a long time here, but... Um, but you should, basically, when he's fighting, you should watch. Uh, you know, at some point he's going to get unstuck completely and brutally that may well be his next fight because um, he wants to fight for the title the bridgeway title which um, the champion is Oscar Rivas who you know you know Babbage is just the, doesn't care about defending so when he comes up against well against someone who can defend and attack he's going to get rattled but uh, yeah just you know if you've seen him already, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, just watch a couple of his fights and be entertained. Uh, the other two fights that are of, really of worth noting on this card were um, Chantel Cameron. There were the two women's fights. It was uh, Chantel Cameron versus Victoria Bustos. Um, and that was completely... like I, 
I, I've got to be honest, I tuned out during this fight because um, Cameron Bustis was a replacement opponent. This was supposed to be unification for the belts at um, 140 against Kalia Rice, but Rice can't fight because undisclosed health issues going on there, so Bustos came in as a replacement. And it was just, you know, Cameron didn't even really have to engage, she just controlled the whole thing. You know, there wasn't even really much to say because it was just one-sided. It's one of those things that, you know, it happens in women's boxing where there isn't that much depth in the divisions. And Cameron is a good boxer, like, um, She's not going to blow your mind. She's not uh, like one of the ones, one of the w women's boxers who I look at and really think, oh, you know, there's, uh, there's like, like most men can't do what she does. But she's good. She's comp even more com competent. She's a really good fighter. Um, but um, and Bustos is, you know, Bustos isn't one of these ones where she came in and she's just incompetent. Um, that happens sometimes. It's happened a few times where. There's just a huge gulf in class, but um, Cameron was just too much better at basically everything. Like, her footwork's nice, her footwork's tidy, she's got a good guard, um, you know, she doesn't do huge, complicated things with it, but it's not easy to get past. Um, she jabs well, she moves well. If she was better at combination punching, she would have got, got this out of there, but, um, but she attacks fine, you know, she sets up her punches, she just doesn't go on long flurries. Um, yeah, it was fine, it was a good performance, um, and... Yeah, her thought is um, she either wants to this unification with the rice if she can get it, um, but if she can't, she's going to move up to fight Jessica McCaskill, and that would be you know that would be probably worth what that would be worth tuning in for, and hopefully Design could build that into something. Um, but this one, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend catching up on it. Um, and the other one was Ellie Scottney versus Cecilia Roman, and. Um, yeah, Scott needs a younger fighter than um, Chantel Cameron. Um, she's this was her fifth fight. Um, she's five and zero. Roman is, I believe, a former champion at two weights, but not this one. Um, I could be wrong. But um, yeah, this was better than the other fight because Roman was always like more aggressive and um, than Bustos and trying to get at um, Scottney the whole time. But Scottney is again a competent, really like her footwork is really nice and nice and tidy. Although I would say that. Um, there was one moment where um, Sky Nicholson on the mic said, "You know, all you need to do is uh, pop a move and uh, don't get, you know, don't get involved with her." And it's like um, Chantel, um, Ellie Scottney's footwork is fine, but um, you know, in regards to what I was saying earlier about um, some women fighters doing things that uh, really very few fighters in either women's or men's can do, um, Sky Nicholson's footwork is really good, and. Um, and Scottney just can't do what she does. So it's it just kind of funny seeing Nicholson kind of expect everyone to to do this. And uh, yeah, it's fair to say Nicholson hasn't been tested at this level either. But uh, again, it was a one-sided fight. Um, yeah, if you want to see a potential future opponent for Ebony Bridges because she's calling her out, could go down to fight her, watch a few rounds, a round or two, but it's not going to blow your mind. So that's really that for this card. The other fight was Robbie Davis versus Javier Molina, um, which I watched and can barely remember, even though it was, you know, it was a split decision, close fight, back and forth. Robbie Davies won. I can't remember what happened. Like, good for Robbie Davies Jr. Sorry, my bad.
Um, so yeah, the other fights to talk about. Oh, that sounds. I'm sorry if that sounds unprofessional, but there's just you know only so much time in a weekend. I'm not going back to watch Robbie Davis Jr. versus Javier Molina. Um, since you know, given that I already watched it once. Um, yeah. Anyway, Janibek and Amkaluni versus Danny Dignam. This was what happens when you parachute a. Dignam has barely proven himself at British level, and I think he probably is a decent British level fighter, but he's a sort of the epitome, the stereotype of the old school, I say old school, from a few years ago, of these guys who, they're competent, they have a good jab, they move well in and out, they have a good judgment of range, but they're moving straight lines, they fight at one pace. You know, they're the best fighters of these kinds, the kind that people like, um, like the um, McDonald twins, or um, Terry, oh, what's his name? Terry Flanagan and Anthony Crawler was a bit like this to some extent. Um, yeah, they're good, and these guys were probably better than Lignum here, um, but they don't really have any angles. And Dignam had this, you know, I thought this coming in, and it proved to be exactly true. Um, Dignam had no answer whatsoever. Like the, um, you know, you can talk about the power and the speed of uh, Adam Canuti and both of the things there, and just. It, Big skill, skill difference, but basically anything that came at Dignam from uh, not down the centre line, or anything, you know, even when he did throw down the centre, but came, you know, came off the centre line to throw it shot down the centre, Dignam had no answer. Like he didn't have any idea what to do with that. Like the two a, um, you know, it was a mismatch. And you know, when when Anokanuni took himself off centre line, either with his feet or with his head, Dignam had no way to coral him back onto it or to follow him properly and so it's just a blowout it's just not you know it, it you might as well go and watch it but it doesn't last long and there wasn't a lot to say it's holding nothing about Alan Canuli because it was too big a mismatch you know I think he's probably the best fighter in the middleweight division at the moment um it, there's not a lot for him here honestly but um I'd like to see him win the belts and then unify them um if possible you know um Charlo is he isn't gonna just walk through Charlo but um I think he's better than him um and uh, Andrade is who he's technically supposed to. I think he's got an eliminator for that, but and, um, Andrade may well move up. So who knows? He'll be fighting for that. Yeah, there's just um, it's not a deep division at the moment. It's incredible how shallow it's gotten, really. Um, I mean, obviously Golovkin's still there, but he'll probably move up to fight Canelo. I can't imagine coming, Canelo coming down. Is it, that fight's just been announced as I record this. Uh, Canelo versus Golovkin three, so he won't be around in that division for long. Yeah, there's just. Adam Canuli is far too good for Dignam, and that's really all there is to say about that because it was too one-sided. So I'm gonna stop, stop right there. You know, Adam Canuli. If you haven't watched him, watch this fight, but watch the Robert Brant fight for a much better challenge for him, which he still won completely comfortably. And then you know, hope for something better for him. Then we're gonna move on to the last card I want to talk about. And the main card on the main fight on that card was equally one-sided because it was David Benavidez versus um, versus David Lemieux, and ultimately that went pretty much exactly the way from predicted. Lemieux didn't have the power or the pace or the speed or the setups to do anything with Benavidez. The person to beat Benavidez is going to be the guy who can sort of draw out mistakes of footwork from him, and Benavidez just is not that guy. Um, and yeah, I said it was going to end on a catch encounter. Ultimately, it 
didn't need to catch the shot. I mean, it, it ended later on with like um, just a brutal beating. But at the end of the first round, um, Benavides just didn't even catch a shot. He took a flush in the chin, but um, but counted it anyway uh, and um, knocked Benavides loopy. But it was just as the bell went, and the referee was like, "Okay, get to your corner," and then let it carry on for another round and a half. And the thing is, Benavides didn't stop trying like at all. He just running on instinct. He now he didn't know where he was, but he well he knew he was in a ring in front of David Benavides, and he just kept throwing bombs and bombs and bombs. And the thing is, that's what Benavides wants you to do. There's this talk about Benavides being a pressure fighter, a hunt and seeker, and he can be that. He's perfectly happy doing that when he wants to, when he has to. But um, for me, I think it's still true that um, he's most comfortable when his opponent's coming at him and trying to match him for volume because they can't, and um, and giving him opportunities to counter. And who did that? And uh, you know, um, yeah, Benavides has a really good active guard. Um, you know, it's improved since I wrote an article on him a few years ago, which you can still look up. Although I would have to possibly fix the gifs in it, the gifs, whatever you call them. Um, but yeah, he's got a really good active guard. Um, you know, his um, people talk about his long torso being a vulnerability. He can be caught to the body, but his, you know, he moves his guard up and down to catch shots. Um, he adjusts his guard, he kind of turns, you know, he, he's got a really good um, good guard and his accuracy is insane with his punches and his hand speed is insane. His foot speed, not so much, but his hand speed is insane. His head movement is becoming underratedly good because I would say it's not magnificent and he still has a problem with that when he's throwing volume, especially when he backs an opponent to the ropes. But even when he's also when he's backing up, he does get square still sometimes. He's been working on that, but he does get square and he can be caught on the chin with his chin in the air. That, that may cause him grief at some point again, but he is still good at, uh, you know, he's a long guy and he's good at using that to defuse an opponent's range and what they're doing trying to do with him he's just far too he was far too much for Lemieux and again this is another one where we need him to get a real opponent you know the best guy on this guy on his um, on his resume so far as I would say Darrell and that was you know it was fine but um, but he needs better to prove himself um, but Canelo fights out the window for at least a year so he has to fight something else Um there's a few interesting fights. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it can't be this. Um, it can't be this level of opponent again. It just can't. Um, David Morrell has called him out. I think he batters Morrell, to be honest. But some wise heads have said, you know, Morrell will be a challenge for him. So maybe there's something I'm just not seeing. Um, but, you know, they're both explosive, aggressive fighters. So it'll be fun. Um, but the fight on the card... Well, there were two fights on the card that... Um, of um, prospects coming up, and one was um, Yoel Vis Gomez, another Cuban. He's at Super World Weight. Um, I'll say another Cuban because I was just talking about Dave Morrell. And um, he's, he's at Super World Weight. He was fighting Jorge, Jorge, Jorge Cota. Um, and he's another one, you know, talking of Morrell, he's another one of those Cubans who's not this Cuban stereotype outfighter. He's an aggressive, come forward. But still skillful. Honestly, I like him more than Morel, even though he's not holding a belt or anything at the moment. Um, in this fight, he didn't blow him out. Um, I have to say, full disclosure, I didn't see the whole fight here, and I haven't been able to catch up with the whole thing. Um, but um, I'd say from what I did see, um, yeah, he came out he, like he always does, trying to blow his opponent away. Um, you know, just utterly bashed through Kota. Kota managed to hold it together, and then... Um, 
Gomez had to sort of manage himself and box to victory and he did that. Now, I can't say too much more because I didn't see the whole fight. Um, I would say he's... He does need to sort of rein it in a little bit with the whole trying to punch holes through his opponent right from the start thing because um, he's not going to get away with that. You know, this division is deep um, and he's not going to necessarily get away with that all the time. But at the same time, if you can fight that pace, you know, consistently, um, you know, imagine if he does reach this sort of world level um, edges at least, imagine him against Sebastian Fundora or Chu. Um, it's going to be, you know, he's he's a good addition if he's as good as we think he is. And, uh, you know, I would recommend um, finding this fight um, if you can, um, just to see, you know, see what he's about. And I, I will at some point uh, try to find the whole thing myself. Uh, I'm not going to come back and analyse it. It's not that significant. Um, I just wanted to highlight a guy you should be watching. Um yeah, you know, like I say, I apologise for, for the holes in the resume. It is just, I only have so many hours in a day and I do have a day job and yeah, there's only so many things I can do. Um, the fight I wanted to, I did want to highlight was another prospect fight um, and this was um, between, um, this is at, uh, oh, bloody hell, I've completely lost the, that's what I'm talking about here. Um, it's Luis Nunes. Um, this is a featherweight prospect fight. And Luis Nunes is a, sort of, is a Dominican fighter. He's 22. Um, and he's being built a little bit. And he's good. He's got good skills. He's got good, uh, he's a good counter puncher, a classy uh, fighting boxer. I don't know if he's going to be elite, elite. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be world level, but I think he may have that in him. Um, you know, he's not there yet. He has holes in his game, but he's not there yet. But he's got the basics of a good counter-punching game and he's able to sort of push the volume a little bit when he needs to. Um, but anyway, he was fighting this guy, Jonathan Fierro, and Nunes won and he was expected to win. Um, he won a decision in 10 rounds. Um, but Fierro really came out of the story of this fight because um, because he um, he was basically... like I couldn't find really any footage of him before this fight. Um, he had fought... Um, before, um, I think on television, but um, uh, he had, I think earlier in the year, yeah, back in March, he was brought into the face, Daniel Bailey, um, who at the time was just beginning to get a little bit of a push himself, and um, he's the sort of the he's a, well, sort of he's the cousin of Randall Bailey, um, you know, a former world champion in a couple of divisions, um, yeah, accomplished boxer, and Bailey had been, you know, possibly. I, uh, I didn't see this fight, I hadn't seen him before, but he'd been be- beginning to get a little bit of a push that may have been based a little bit on the family connection, but it was also based on him having a good record in the military, um, boxing, you know, seeing, and, um, you know, apparently had some skills, and uh, Fierro had been brought in to, not necessarily, well, yeah, he was brought in with a shiny record, but expected to lose, and he knocked him out in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Nunes, you know, fair play. Nunes and his team saw this and thought, okay, let's uh, let's see what we can do. And maybe they thought, you know, we're going to knock this guy out easily. He's going to come in flailing and really aggressive because because um, Fierro is, and we're going to knock him out early. But um, but it was a risk to take, and it paid off for Nunes. But um, but it was a big step up for Fierro, and ultimately, you know, he hadn't. You know, Nunes is a prospect, but Fierro had never been in with anything anything like this, and he showed his. 
you know, he really, he's 18 and um, he's, if he gets the right team around him, because this is, you know, it's very, very early on, um, but, you know, that, that these could both be names that we hear about a lot um, in the future. We, it would be really nice if we saw, if they both got to a level where we see them both when they're better. But, um, yeah, Fierro is a really aggressive fighter and he does have a huge flaw. He lunges really badly and he needs to fix that. And that was what ultimately got Nunes... Um, got Nunes to win because eventually he started timing the lunges and backing off and intercepting and all of that stuff and he won the latter half of the fight but he had real trouble early on despite being a good solid defensive fighter because Fierro who is a southpaw and he's just got a really big variation on what he can do with his left hand like he's got a really big bag of hooks and um, you know hooks and straights and just different angles that he brings it in with even when he's lunging um, and he does good things with the right hand as well um, and it's just going to be you know if he gets a, if he tightens it up and if he figures out how to close range safely and you know all the little details um, he has already got a really good for an 18 year old for who'd never fought at this level it was just really impressive and you know like I say Nunes is a guy who I think you know I'm not looking at him and going you know oh yeah I'm definitely going to see him in the power power lists but um He's someone I suspect we'll see challenged for titles, maybe, you know, at least in that sort of conversation. Like I say, can't know for sure, but, um, but yeah, he took on the challenge and he won the challenge, but Fierro really proved something and he, you know, it, it's something that, uh, it would be nice to see him be given the opportunity on the back of, you know, instead of being relegated to someone nobody wants to fight again, it would be nice if he got the chance if he got pushed because he could be really something special you know it's impossible to say for sure because you know some guys look really special really young and then they can never they don't have it to develop past a certain way and then at the other set way um there are people who might have it but we never find out because they get the wrong teams around them and you know if you go too far with the wrong training then it's very difficult to fix it but at this point, it'd be nice to see Jonathan Fierro get a good chance and Nunes move on in the division. You know, he's cool. Um, and he, like I say, he's pretty close. Um, I wouldn't say he's close to the top yet, but, um, you know, Boxrex still has him 77, so he's a long way from the top there. But, um, but he's got good, you know, there are, it's a good division to be in as a fighter coming up. Um, um and yeah, there's a lot of interesting fights. Even you know, he'll be around on the lower parts of cards for a little while yet. But, um, but he'll be a guy to watch out for. And like I say, Fierro, you know, we may never hear of him again. But I hope that doesn't happen. Anyway, that's it for the week. Um, next week there is only one card: Rolly Romero, Javante uh, uh, Davis versus Rolly Romero. Um, it's not a very interesting fight, to be brutally honest. But um, you know, watch it anyway. I may, I may do a preview. I may not because it's just so completely uninteresting. Roddy Romero is fucking rubbish, and um, Tank is going to knock him out very quickly. That's my preview, but I, I may write something on it. Um, and other than that, I will see. You know, f- follow me on Twitter at Crafty Boxing. Follow the fight site at the fight site. Uh, um, Grab our Patreon if you haven't already. Uh, get in on our Discord so so you can chat with you know me and the rest of the fight sites fighting experts and get our little exclusive uh, that's on the Discord and our exclusive articles and stuff. Um, and yeah, then other than that, I will see you next time.